Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcast, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. What the bloody hell are you doing here, Diana? Sorry, I mean you. Your Royal Highness. I'm lost. But if it's you, I must be close. Yes? Yeah, the house is just there, but why are you driving yourself? No, cars don't drive on their own. No. Where's your driver? Where's your security detail? I don't know. I was at the cafe in Kensington giving some presents, and I thought I might just drive. Despite being one of the most famous people who has ever walked the planet... The mystery of Princess Diana continues to captivate biographers and filmmakers. By my count, there are now eight fictionalised screen portrayals of the late Princess of Wales, six of which were made after she passed away in 1997. Some of those are TV movies that the phrase tawdry cash-in might have been invented for. But more recently, her screen portrayals have been sympathetic, even if they're no less fanciful. In 2013, Naomi Watts played Diana during the last two years of her life as she attempted to rebuild it using her star power for charitable purposes. In Peter Morgan's long-running biography of the 20th century royal family, The Crown, Diana, played by Emma Corris, is pretty much the only character that comes out with their reputation enhanced. And the less said about Diana the Musical, on Netflix now, folks, the better. And now we have Spencer. Another imagining of the interior life of the princess, the dots drawn from public statements made by her and others, and the lines between them being sketched pretty roughly by screenwriter Stephen Knight and then smoothed over by the excellent Chilean director Pablo Larraín. Diana in this film is the prodigiously gifted and underappreciated American movie star Kristen Stewart, who demonstrates considerable technical prowess in impersonating what we remember of Diana and at the same time portraying the considerable psychological baggage that the script demands. In the film, we are present at a fictionalised royal family Christmas gathering at Sandringham in the late 1980s. The marriage between Diana and Prince Charles is on the rocks, but not yet officially over, and the pressures to conform to the family mythology are clearly beginning to get to her. Over the weekend, there is passive-aggressive conflict everywhere. At one point, Diana wakes up to find that her curtains have been sewn shut to prevent the unseen paparazzi from using their long lenses to see into her bedroom. Her favourite dresser, played by Sally Hawkins, is sent back to London for not forcing Diana to wear the correct outfit for every occasion. She had to change several times a day, apparently. 
It's only when she is with her boys, William and Harry, that she really perks up. But even these moments seem designed to score screenwriting points rather than truly illuminate anyone's character. Mummy, why do we have to open our presents on Christmas Eve? Why not Christmas Day like everybody else? You know, at school you do tenses. Yeah. yeah. It's the past, the present, the future. Right. Well, here, there is only one tense. There is no future. Past and the present are the same thing. There's one sequence in Spencer that, depending on your point of view, is either the most marvellous piece of pure cinema in ages or complete baloney. It's a dance montage featuring Diana in some of her most famous outfits, and it owes a great deal to the generosity of the Chanel Museum in Paris, who also provided outfits for Lorraine's last film about a famous woman's tragedy, Jackie, in 2016. Despite the classy direction and Stuart's excellence, I have two main beefs with Spencer. One is the ick factor about portraying real people who, by the nature of their existence, are unable to talk back. The kids must be heartily sick of this aspect of their lives being raked over yet again. And that leads me to the banal pop psychology of the screenplay. Diana in the film is just a collection of neuroses and trauma, a bundle of pathologies, including depression, an eating disorder and self-harm. The stale metaphor of the pheasants is just one example. It's painfully shallow, and I wonder if the next time someone wants to make a film about Diana, they shouldn't get a woman to write it. We might get a little bit more insight then. What happens to the pheasants? What happens to the pheasants that my son will be shooting? After the shoot, we'll we'll dress them and we'll pluck them and... Everyone will take a brace home with them. There'll be lots left over. The staff will get some, the dogs get some, and the rest is thrown away. Thrown away? Well, pheasants are bred to be shot, ma'am. If it wasn't for the gun, they wouldn't be there. And the ones that don't get shot, they just get run over. They're not the brightest of birds. Beautiful, but not very bright. Spencer is rated M for offensive language and self-harm references and it is playing on select screens across the country now.